0: Um, Rod, we're on our, our uh, sermon series on the Apostles' Creed, and since we did the Lord's Prayer today, um, we will do the Apostles' Creed before Rod preaches, so I will have you lead us through that. at the village, this is our statement of belief, and it's the thing we hang our hat on. It's the thing that we say, um, even though we might interpret some of the things slightly differently, this is where we solidly stand. And so if you can say it, we say it together. If you can't say it, that's fine. If you want to try it on for size, you may also do that. Let's recite it as you're able. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight, that your voice would come to us, that we would hear you, that all other voices would be shut out, that we would know that um, what we hear is from you. Help us to discern what's true and good and right and to reject um, any lie, uh, anything that's not true. Father, I pray um, that you would give me your words to say, and that you would give me what you would have me say, and that you would give these amazing people uh, your ears to hear um, so that they can discern your voice. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking through and speaking through the Apostles' Creed, and tonight I'm going to talk about two parts of the Apostles' Creed. Um, They are inexorably tied together and uh, incredibly important. um, Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And as we talk about that, I want to spend a little time in Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. And this is kind of the story of that moment in time um, that we now hang everything on as we speak through the the, uh, the creed it says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is an amazing miracle. It's it's a a miracle in the middle of... um, all of time and all of place. It's really hard for us to get our heads around miracles. I was uh, having a discussion recently with someone who said, "Rod, I've just never seen a miracle. If I could just see a miracle, then I would believe. So I was interested this past week, I, a week ago, I took my son to see the cardiologist Many, if not most of you, know that he had the H1N1 flu virus. He almost died. He spent weeks on a ventilator. He um, barely survived. He had ARDS. It's a fatal disease, it means your lungs stop, you die. We went to the cardiologist, the head cardiologist at Banner, UMC, walks in, sticks out his hand, shakes hands with Derek, and says, You're a walking miracle. Now, this is a scientist. This is a brilliant physician. This is the guy who's got it all together. This is the guy who knows that there aren't any miracles if there aren't any miracles. And we struggle with that, right? We come to this whole point in our life where we have to decide, do I believe in miracles or don't I? And what a miracle truly is is God's intervention in what normally happens. Now, what normally happened would be that Derek would have died from ARDS. But he didn't. Now, is that truly a miracle? I don't know. I'm one of those guys who sees miracles everywhere, right? I see miraculous action everywhere. Every time I turn around, I see miracles. Your miracles, the fact that we're here is miraculous. The, the, the miraculous things that we can do. When um, I was at the store the other day at Walgreens, and this watch that I have, it is in really, really, really bad shape. I bought this watch in 1973. I have loved this watch longer than I've loved my wife. <laughs> and this watch is really, really cool. Actually, I bought it at Christmas the year we got engaged, so that's not true. I've loved her even longer. But, but, um, but I got this watch, and I've worn it my whole life. Well, the, all the little knobs that adjust everything have all broken off. And so I brought it to the jeweler and he said, ah, Rod, it might be time for a new watch. And I said, but I love this watch. So he scotch-taped it together for me. <laughs> and he's looking for a new, I don't know, he's looking for some replacement part, but of course it's a citizen porch and they don't make it anymore and they're not interested in hearing about it. But I love my old watch. So I'm at the store and I decide, you know, maybe I should ask the young gal at Walgreens, if they sell a cheap watch, something I can wear that won't be falling apart. And she said, a what? And I said, a watch, a wristwatch. She goes, a what? And I said, you know, a wristwatch, the, the thing you put on your wrist, the, sells time. And she goes, you want to know what time it is? And I said, yeah, she points at my phone. And says it tells you. <laughs> but I keep looking when I wasn't wearing my watch. I keep looking at my bare wrist, and it's you know four hairs past a freckle. And I don't know what time that is, uh, and and so I, I'm I'm confused. And this this machinery is miraculous. You know, like. When I talked on a phone when I was a kid. Literally, we, we cranked it, and we rang up Central, and they plugged us in, and we talked to people, and we were on a party line, and we had seven other people that would listen into your conversation, and wasn't that sweet. Boy, I'll tell you what, we had great gossip in those days. And, <laughs> and, and then I went through all these changes, and now I hold in my hand far hundred times more computing power than it took for us to get to the moon. Scary, isn't it? Lots of miraculous things. But these these are part of technology. These are part of science. But God gives us true miracles. And the truest of miracles is the miracle of a virgin birth. The God who says, who enters into his creation to save it. C.S. Lewis said, Whatever experiences we may have, we shall not regard them as miraculous if we already hold a philosophy which excludes the supernatural. Most modern people dislike miracles. While admitting that God can, they doubt if he would. And that's kind of how we are, right? It's not that God couldn't do something. It's not that he can't do something. I just doubt that he will. I doubt that he cares enough about me. I doubt that it matters enough to him. I doubt that the God of the universe is going to concern himself with A- ARDS, Dirks filled lungs. I, is, does he really care? So this God who creates everything, who makes everything, all that's known and seen, cares about little tiny things. Big things for me. Huge things for me. This God comes and he loves us. To love us, he who created us, who made us, who formed us, who shaped us. To love us, he has to save us. We turn on him. We wanted to be gods ourselves. We believed in the garden, the lies of Satan. We believe them still. We believe in his... um, that that we should be able to do things our way, that we should have our own way. And in doing that, we sin. And in his complete, perfect, precious justice and judgment, he says, if you sin, you die. That's what we deserve. That's what we're entitled to. You, You are entitled to die for your sin. But the God of the universe has a plan and he will not be thwarted in his plan. And I love this because he warns Satan way back in Genesis 3 that he's going to do what what he now has done. That he's going to crush Satan's head. That he's going to destroy his work. It's fascinating. It's wonderful to see what God does in working through all of history to this one anticipated moment. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the central point in all of history, then the penultimate point is this moment when God comes in the, as as his son is brought into this world. This miraculous moment. It's a miracle. So if you've closed your mind to miracles, you're going to have trouble. (laughs) You're going to have trouble with the Apostles' Creed. You're going to have trouble with being part of this community. If you have trouble with miracles, if you say they just can't happen, they just don't happen, this is that time when there is a a unique moment where God enters history. He inserts himself into that which he has made. He humbles himself. He comes and is one of us. And when, the, when Eric was correcting the little one tonight who decided that um, God the Father was the correct answer, he's not far off. <laughs> Jesus is God. God he is fully God. He's not partially he's not God. He's not one-third of God. He is God. He is fully. All the characteristics of the father are the characteristics of the son. All the characteristics of the son are the characteristics of the spirit. All the characteristics of the spirit are the characteristics of the father. Everything. Everything that the father is, the son is. Everything that the son is, the spirit is. Everything that the spirit is, the father is. It is one God. Three persons, one God. Each with their unique call. The call to Jesus is to come to be born of a virgin. There are some necessities here. The first is that the necessity of being fully God. The problem with our sin is that we have disqualified ourselves and we're unable to get God's blessing to go to come before God to be reconnected to God in our own power and strength. We simply can't do it. It's not possible. We're not able to do it. We add scripture says to our sin every day. We're not getting better. By the way, I don't know where that myth came from that society is getting better. We may be more technologically advanced, but trust me, we're not getting better. I've been on the planet for like 60, how many years, 62? Um, Almost as old as my watch. Um, I've been around for a long time. We're not getting better. We're just bad in different places. Bad in different ways. We're not getting worse either, by the way, for those of you who think, oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. It's always been going to hell in a handbasket. It's not getting better. It's not getting worse. It just is. It's a sin-sick world, and we created it. And the necessity that Jesus comes and that he is fully God, that he is a completely, fully, 100% God, is that only God can live the perfect life that's required for, for God's justice to be appeased. Jesus comes and he lives the life that we cannot live. He lives the perfect life. Scripture says that he is just like us in every way, sin accepted. Hebrews 4, 14-16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus comes and he can sympathize, empathize with us. And that's the second great important Necessity that Jesus be fully human. He has to be fully man and fully God. If he's not truly man, and and, in the times that these were written, um, that that passage was written that I just read, there was this belief that Jesus wasn't really real, it was an image, there was some concept about it, Uh, It was kind of this whole uh, reaction against the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ that was more of a spiritual feel-good feeling. No, Jesus is real. He's human. He is fully human, just like us. That's hard for us to get our heads around. How can someone be fully God and fully human at the same time? It's... It's pretty hard. It's a concept we cannot get our heads around. It's not possible. It can't be. It cannot be done. You can't be fully God and fully man and reconcile that in your head. Because it's a miracle. Because it's something that you have to accept by faith. It's not something that you accept and and can reason through and, and decide and, and think it all through and have it make sense to you. It, it simply won't. It's not going to. God is... Jesus comes and he's fully man. He takes everything that we are and he takes it on himself. He's tempted in every way like we're tempted. But that's that's weird, isn't it? Because I think my temptations to do that which is not true and not right, that that's kind of unique to me. I don't think that that's... I don't think Jesus really understands me. I don't think he gets it. I don't think most of the time that this God of the universe, that this Savior, that this Jesus, that this one who's above it all can identify with my uniquely wonderful sins that I revel in and delight in and keep doing and keep doing and do over and over again and are attracted to, I think Jesus doesn't really get that. But he does. Scripture promises us that he's tempted in every way like you are. And yet he's without sin. He doesn't yield. He doesn't give into it. Satan attacks the person of Jesus Christ when he takes him out into the wilderness. He offers him power. He offers him the riches of this world. He offers him the all he has to do to get everything from Satan that Satan has to offer. Is simply bow before Satan. He won't do it, but he doesn't do it. So, because Jesus is one of us, he knows us, he gets us, he understands us, and he loves us. It's not some distant, far off, beyond the planet's God. This is a God who walked with us, who sees what we see, who hears what we hear, who knows our pain and our suffering and our struggle, who knows our temptations, who knows our weakness. Jesus was weak. He got thirsty. He got hungry. You know that nice little Christmas carol no crying he made baloney. Uh, Jesus cried he cried a lot, I bet. He cried certainly when he saw the effects of death. It's a necessity for God to be truly God it's a necessity for Jesus to be truly man the necessity of this God-man, this central figure in all of history, the one person born of a virgin, fully human, fathered by the Spirit, fully God, that that moment when those two things come together, the Godhead, mankind, in one person, Jesus. You have to accept the miracle that there is this one God, this one God man, this fully, true, perfect human. 1 Timothy 2 1 through 6 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and for those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And then these words in Colossians 2, verses 6 through 10. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. recite the Apostles' Creed and to take hold of it and to believe it every week, and that to believe in a miracle. And when you say the words, I just invite you to do some things. I I would invite you, whenever you say those words, to remind yourselves to live simply and peacefully. We make things so complex. We're so driven by these little boxes we're so excited about what's going on in the world around us on all the ways that we look out at our world we want to control we want power we want position we want status we want authority we want to be left alone we want to be we we want what we want and the invitation if Jesus is the god man if he is the one that's between us And God, who's brought us back into relationship with God, then you can live simply and peacefully. If the power that does that is true and exists, then you don't have to go fix the world. You can live simply, simply, and peacefully. A second thing that the scriptures remind us is to be grateful. When you read those words that God becomes man and is one of us and identifies with us and saves us and becomes the one mediator between God and us, be grateful. Gratitude is an amazing thing. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that my son's life was spared. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that yesterday I got to sit in the room with where my mother lives and sing old hymns with her. And this woman who slowly, slowly losing her memory, who cannot remember things, suddenly breaks into these beautiful harmonies and remembers every word of every hymn. Little miracles. I got to spend time with my oldest son and and the little girl that he's godparent to and and watch the delight that she takes in eating pancakes. God gives us rich gifts. Open your eyes to them. When you say, Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, take delight. In what God's done and is doing, be grateful. Another thing is to be submitted. <clears throat> I uh, <clears throat> am twice as old as most of you, and I get really irritated with you <laughs> because you don't like submission. You don't like that word. It's an ugly word to you. I'm not going to submit myself to anybody. I know what's best for me. Baloney. You don't. And, matter of fact, the mere fact that you think you do shows that you're not even ready to be submitted. This is a dad spanking, by the way, so it's, you know, like I'm an old guy, I get to spank you every once in a while. Uh, you, submission is hard for us. We don't like to submit, and I like to say it's just your generation, but here's the truth. It's my stinking generation too. Submission is really hard. It's really tough. To allow ourselves to be submitted to what God calls us to do. To be submitted to God's ways. To submit ourselves to his commandments. To submit ourselves to each other. Want to fix your marriage? Submit to your spouse. Notice I didn't say if you're a woman and you want to fix your marriage, submit to your spouse. Notice I didn't say if you're a man and you want to fix your marriage, submit to your spouse. I said, if you're married and you want to work on your marriage, submit to your spouse. And love them. And honor them and respect them and care about them. You want to help your friends? You want to do the things that God's called you to do? Submit yourselves to each other. Some of the hardest things we do is to submit ourselves to what someone else calls out in us to submit ourselves to governing authorities, to submit ourselves to each other, to submit ourselves to this community, to the leaders in this community. It's hard. But if God is powerful enough to come on us and in us and be here with us, if he's powerful enough to create that amazing moment the conception of Jesus Christ Son of God that he deserves to be submitted to that when he calls us that we submit ourselves to him then the last thing when you say those words think about living confidently live with confidence confidence Somebody was telling me recently, Rod, you're so confident about who God is and having faith in him. Like, do you ever have doubts? And I started my usual thing of saying, yeah, I woke up, and I've doubted that God existed, and I've I've had my concerns, and I start getting, you know, yeah, and I don't really know if God's good. and And all of a sudden I realized, as I was saying all that to them, that that's like years ago. Like, I'm old now, and I have seen God work throughout my life. In my life, in the lives of people I love, I see him at work in my poor mother's life as she sits in a room and barely remembers the old hymns. I I get to see the beauty of who she is, what God's done in her life, and her confidence in the goodness of God. I made a little video I put on Facebook of her, and she says, I can hardly wait to go to heaven. Isn't that going to be glorious? Yeah. She talked about how she wants to go to heaven and play piano and sing with her sisters. And she says, maybe Jesus will listen in. You bet he will. You bet he will. And so will I and so will you if you're smart. Because you're going to hear a beautiful concert. Live confidently. Confidence in the goodness of God. Confidence that God will do what he... Confidence that God's bringing you home. Confidence that God is bringing you to himself. Confident that no matter what you go through, and you're going to go through all kinds of crap. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be horrible. And it's going to be sick. And there's going to be twisted things. And there's going to be brokenness and pain and suffering. And when you walk into that, say, you know what? The God of the universe, the one who brought Jesus Christ into this world to restore my relationship with him, he has the power to do that. He has the power to do anything. And whether I live or die, Jesus promises whether whether you live or die, he's got you in his hands and let go. Live in that power. Live confidently. Stop morosing about everything and say, I am confident that God is good. It's the hardest thing we say. To say that God is good. We can sure find a lot of pretty ample evidence in our heads that He's not. That He's out to get us. That He's mad at us. He didn't like us. He likes other people. He didn't like me, Baloney. His desire is that all would be saved. Every one of us. All of us. That's his passion. That's his desire. That's his hope. That's his hope for you. That's his hope for me. His desire for me is to be saved, to accept the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done, what God has done. He arranged this before the foundations of the earth. He started it way back before we were even thought of, almost. And then he had this great plan and he works it out fully God, fully human, Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior that allows you to live and fully and truly and completely live. Trust that goodness. Any questions, pushbacks, thoughts, ideas? Yeah, I don't think confidence means you can't grieve. Matter of fact, I would hope you grieve, right? Because we grieve loss all the time, right? We grieve death. I, I grieve that my mother's mind is not what it once was, that she can't remember, that she gets so frustrated. It's hard, right? But I have confidence that even the end result of that even the end result of everything is that she dies and walks into the presence of Jesus and lives with him through all eternity and that she does sing with her sisters and play her piano and her guitar and whatever other wonderful things that are lay in store for her so there's a confidence in the goodness of God and I know that we grieve other things too things where we're not sure what people's status is with God and and those are real things that we're in pain about Um, So yes, grieve, but grieve in the confidence that God has power to do all that he will do and that what he will do is good. Anyone else? No. Then let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. As we walk through all kinds of pain and suffering, as we see the hurt and the loss around us, teach us your ways. Show us your power. Open our eyes to the miraculous, the inexplicable, the things that can't be figured out. Father, give us grace when we doubt. Give us confidence in your goodness when we don't see it, when we're blind to it. Give us peace. Give us simplicity in the middle of the complex. Give us clear paths paths that lead to you. Thank you for Jesus, the one and only and true path to you. Help us to walk it with joy, with anticipation, with hope, knowing that you are good and you do not let go. Thank you, Father, that You long for all of us to know you, for everyone. May that be so. In Jesus' name, amen.